You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Discouragement. Discouragement hits every single person who's ever lived on the face of the earth. It's part of the normal human experience. You know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about discouragement, uh, wanting to quit, to give up, to run away, to be silent, to just avoid conflict. And it's interesting because every couple of years, pastors go through a season or a phase of discouragement. You might think, oh, pastors never are discouraged because they just have the Lord. The Lord's like somehow more special to them than other people, but that's not true. The truth is that it's part of the human experience and you have to manage discouragement and so do I. And during this COVID time, there've been moments where I have faced incredible discouragement where the enemy just wants to come along. It's almost 30 weeks now that we've gone for church online without being in person. And that can be discouraging and you feel separated from people. And, and I'm so grateful for my circle group. I'm so grateful for the team that gathers to record on sermons just like now because we get this regular interaction with people that's been so missing for some. But discouragement can hit you at any time, at any place. And over the years, as I've walked with friends and people, here's one thing that I can absolutely assure you. In fact, it's why you need today's sermon. And it's this, that Satan is hell-bent on discouraging you, but God gives heaven-sent encouragement. Satan wants nothing more than to discourage you, to freeze you in your tracks, to stop you where you are, to cause you to want to question God and life and yourself and, and give up or give in. And his agenda really is to discourage you. That's his heart. That's his agenda. That's what he wants to do. But thank you, God, that you give heaven sent encouragement. And the challenge for us today is going to be how do we identify when God is encouraging us from heaven. How does God give encouragement to his people? Well, the best way to do that is to look at the scriptures, to look at the life of Paul. And Paul right now is moving from Athens over to Corinth. And you'll see in the slides before you that, that he's moving from one place to another. And, and he's, he's still continuing to preach the gospel in much of the known world at that time. And he had debated with the philosophers in Athens, and now he's come to the sin city of the ancient world. He was leaving Athens, the city of the thinkers, and he was heading to the city of the players. Corinth was the Vegas of the ancient world. And the distinctive cult of religion that was in Corinth was the worship of Aphrodite, this is, uh, she was a goddess of love, of beauty and fertility, who is identified really with like the Roman god Venus. And they would say that Aphrodite fell from heaven and landed in Corinth. And so they had built a temple on a hill that was dedicated to her worship. And this massive temple on top of the hill dedicated to her worship had a thousand sacred prostitutes or slave priestesses. And what they would do is when they would go to worship, they would engage in sexual and other activity with these priestesses. The Corinthian morals were notoriously corrupt, even when compared to pagan Rome. In Corinth, the worship of idols was combined with sexual practices. So you could just imagine the conversation. Well, what did you do at temple today? Well, it would be almost unthinkable for us to answer what a Corinthian person would have done at the temple of Aphrodite. 
because what happened at the temple of Aphrodite stayed at the temple of Aphrodite. But we know all too well that that kind of sin doesn't stay, that it has a way every time of affecting the person and, and being something that ultimately can't satisfy, that the worship of a false God like that doesn't satisfy the need that we have in our soul for a real and a true and encouraging living God. So now, the gospel of Jesus Christ is headed from this city of thinkers and it's headed into potentially its greatest challenge because Corinth was a culture of self, a culture of pleasure, every expression of vice and freedom and had the absence of any moral rules. It really was a much like our culture in our world today that stiff arms God, that pushes back on moral rules or having anyone tell you what you can or can't do. And that's where the gospel is now headed. So we have to ask, well, what was going on inside of Paul when he had left this culture of thinkers and now he's headed to this culture of players? What is going on on the inside? What is his state of mind? What is his heart? And you got to know, at this point in his missionary journey, he's weary. He's worn down by the conflict. He's in need of soul care. He's in need of times of refreshing. He needs a break. He actually needs some new friends, some different results. He needs encouragement that's actually from God. In short, Paul is discouraged. He's burning out and he's in pain from so much suffering that he's had to endure. In fact, he tells us when he writes the book, 1 Corinthians, he says in his letter to the Corinthian church, uh, that as he writes to them, he says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling in 1 Corinthians 2.3. Now remember, Paul had been beaten and persecuted in many of the cities where he preached the gospel. So why would he think it would be any different here? I'm going into a new city. I'm going to get persecuted. I'm going to physically get assaulted. I'm going to get beat up. My body still hurts from the last time. I'm just weary. And when you're following God's plan for your life, when you're following God's agenda for your life, then God better give you more than a pep talk. He better give you some encouragement that will renew you on the inside, some encouragement that will sustain you through whatever you're going to face. And today, you're going to see how God did that for Paul and how he does that even now for you and how he wants you to identify with him as his son or daughter of the Most High God, whom he loves, with whom he's well-pleased, his favored child. We just need to learn how to identify the comfort and encouragement from God so that we can embrace it. See, this passage we're looking at today depicts the encouragement that God gives his people to lift them up out of discouragement and walk us into the abundant life that he supplies. Jesus said he wants us to have life, like real life, even in this life. He said in John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So God encourages you and me. He wants us to experience life even when we go through impossible situations, even when we go through hardships. And if you're taking notes today, write this down. God encourages you through, first, Christ-following friends. I mean, do you ever wake up and just think, I just need a friend? You might think to yourself, I just need some good friends. Like you've got friends, but maybe they're kind of just bad friends in your life. 
Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, I just need some new friends. Have you ever thought that? Well, in Acts chapter 18, Paul, as he's entering Corinth, meets Aquila and Priscilla. This is a husband and wife who love the Lord, as we find out in Romans chapter 13. It tells us there that they love the Lord. And they are Jewish people who themselves had recently arrived in Corinth because of anti-Semitism in Rome. And they worked as tent manufacturers, the same line of work that Paul had as his side hustle to earn an income as he shared the gospel with the people in the city. And so they had the same line of work. And so they asked him to stay with them. Well, what does that tell me about how God can use me in my vocation or you in your vocation? See, God has the ability to bring you a Christian friend at work. God has the ability for you as a Christian to befriend another who's in your same line of work. How encouraging would that be to have another Christian, a Christ follower at work, not just a Christian in, in word, but truly a Christ follower. So you might think to yourself, have you ever had a change of a living situation or a change of roommates and it made a world of difference? You're like, oh, I have such good roommates right now or my living situation is so much better. Well, these two were friends for Paul. They were new friends and they were a great encouragement to him. But God knew that Paul didn't just need new Christ following friends. He knew he needed more. And we find out in Acts 18.5 that that this phrase in the verse says, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia. What does that mean? That means Silas and Timothy left Macedonia. They came to Corinth. And Silas and Timothy are old friends of Paul. They were people he had, had, had walked with, had mentored. And they have shown up. So they are co-laborers in the gospel. They are Christ followers who spread the good news about Jesus. And it is good to have time among new friends, but it's also good to have time among old friends. And isn't it interesting that that's exactly who God provides for Paul at just this right moment? Some Christ-following new friends, some Christ-following old friends. But for there to be room for friends in your heart, you have to make some space. And I want to ask, do you have space in your heart for new friends or Christ-following friends. I read this week of a man who admitted as he evaluated his life and his relationships, he, he said this, quote, he said, I habitually moved against other people, disengaging from honest heart-to-heart -heart relationships to control the outcomes and to avoid shame. So what's he doing? He's pretending, right? He says this, quote, instead, I reach for relief from this unnamed internal pain through food, exercise, beer, sex, caffeine, and the media. Well, I remember in my own life a couple years ago, I got to the point where everything had just kind of become work. It was a busy season. It was a busy time. There were people in great needs here at church. Uh, we, had, we had various conflicts. Uh, we had walked through really hard times and some losses in people's family lives. And, and I just remember thinking to myself, like, everything has become work. And, and I needed some guy friends. And I needed some hobbies in my life because everything had kind of become work. And so what I did is I hosted a men's circle and I picked up a digital camera. See, I had to make space in my life for hobbies and space in my life for new friends. And so do you. A circle group is literally like God throwing you a lifeline of hope when you're discouraged. But you are treading water and you need to reach out and grab that lifeline of hope 
and pull on it and reach out and take the lifeline that's being offered to you. And I would tell you, if you thought even before COVID and all this season that you were fine and you had enough friends and you didn't really need a circle group, it is very likely that the encouragement that you need right now in your life is because you haven't taken that lifeline of hope. And I'd encourage you to do that. In the chat below, they'll tell you how you can get connected with a circle group, no matter where you live. But one of the ways that God encourages us is through Christ following friends. The second way you might want to write this down is through spiritual results. See, have you ever noticed how you feel when the Lord encourages you or when you share your faith in Christ with someone else? Like you just feel great. All of a sudden you're like, oh, I've got like results in my life, spiritual results. God's at work. God's doing something. God used me to do something. I'm actually feeling that encouragement. When you join a discipleship group with other people and you begin to mix it up and see like we're actually having momentum in my spiritual life, there are some spiritual results happening on the inside. When you begin again with God, you confess your sin, you walk away from it, you move forward, you turn back toward God, you begin to feel this encouragement for spiritual results in your life. When you have the opportunity to serve and use your hands and use the gifts that God has given you, you feel that encouragement because of spiritual results in your life. See, the encouragement that comes uh, when you see someone coming to know Jesus as Savior and growing in their faith provides huge motivation to keep staying involved in serving the Lord. See, Paul had been trying a lot. Whenever he went to a new city, he would go to the synagogue and he would try a lot with the Jewish people first. And he'd been trying a lot. And oftentimes the opposition he faced came from his own race of people. But in Corinth, what happens? He goes to the synagogue and they give him the same old pushback so this time he said, you know what? It's time for a change. I got to do something different. I can't experience this setback every single time. And in Acts 18 verse six, it says this, speaking of the Jewish people at the synagogue, it says, but when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in, in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue, went next door to the house of Tidius, justice, worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. This is amazing because he has instantly says, I'm done with you. I'm walking away from you. But the synagogue leader leaves basically with him. Him and his household leave the synagogue. They were leading it. They leave, they go with Paul, they believe, and they are baptized as followers of Jesus Christ. Paul is experiencing, even through a new angle, a new way, a new saying, I'm going to really just go to the Gentiles. All of a sudden, he sees amazing spiritual results in the leader of the synagogue and his family. So he's encouraged by God. God gives us new Christ-following friends. God gives us encouragement through spiritual results. God gives us encouragement, number three, in comfort from God. And there's few things that are more encouraging than being comforted by God. And Paul experiences something very amazing in his life. Acts 18 verse 9 tells us that one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. And this is what God said. He said, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Well, let's unpack that for just a minute. What did God say to Paul? Why was this comfort from him so encouraging? The first thing he said was, do not be afraid. 
Remember, Paul had every reason to be afraid. He's gotten the snot beat out of him in every single city he's ever gone to, it seems. And now he's in this new city and, and God comes and says, do not be afraid. Do you know that over 365 times in the Bible, God reassures his people, people like you and me to not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be anxious. And time and again, he extends comfort to you and your impossible situation with his compassion, with his care, and he reassures you. We say, well, God hasn't spoken to me at night in a vision. Well, it's amazing when God uses people to speak to you, isn't it? I mean, parents, think for just a minute. Think back to that time when maybe you experienced some comfort from God through the words of your small child. They were just young, but they said something and you knew that they were just talking, but you knew in a moment in your spirit that God had basically just encouraged you through the faith of a child in your life. Years ago, there was a grandpa and this grandpa was facing stage four cancer. It was going to be terminal. And so he had been talking to his son and daughter-in-law and he, 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 the grandchild got on the phone, was about four years old. And they hand the phone to the grandchild and the grandchild says, hey, grandpa, do you want to know the new song I learned at church? Of course, grandpa's going to say, yes, of course I want a new song. And this little four-year-old says to the grandpa on the phone says, when I get to heaven, I'm going to walk with Jesus. When I get to heaven, I'm going to see his face. When I get to heaven, I'm going to talk with Jesus, saved by his marvelous, saved by his wonderful, saved by his marvelous grace. And can you imagine that moment here? A grandpa on the other end of the phone has just been encouraged by a child with the encouragement from God that when this is done, when you walk this journey, you're going to be in heaven. You're going to walk with me there. And what an encouragement then to the parents, the son and the, the daughter-in-law who would hear from their own child, the encouragement going to the grandpa, but also a, a reminder to them that when this is over, that those who believe in Jesus Christ will walk with Jesus there. See, God will encourage you through the words of a child, the words of friends. God will encourage you in the way that he can, in a way that your heart can hear at the right moment and at the right time. They can be unexpected. It can be sincere, but God can reassure you through the words of even a son or a daughter. Why? Because he draws you and me back into what it is to rest in him as our good father. So God tells Paul, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. The second thing he says is keep on speaking. Keep on. Let me ask you, what is your keep on? In this time where all of our world has changed, all of life has changed, God is coming along and encouraging you. Don't stop. Don't quit. Keep on. Don't give up. For you, for Paul, it would be the area that God is challenging him to use his gifting in the kingdom. Keep on presenting the gospel. Keep on speaking. But for some of you, you've wanted to quit. You wanted to throw in the towel. You have wanted to stop doing what you have been doing because life has changed. And you're like, it's long time since we were in church. And, and I don't know now, am I still following the Lord like I was when I was actually sitting in a church? But what is your keep on? Where is God asking you to be the church? Where is he asking you to reach out to other people, your neighbors? Where is God asking you to keep on? The last thing he says is do not be silent. And you kind of wonder, well, why would he say keep on speaking and do not be silent? Aren't those the same thing? But there's a difference. 
See, keep on speaking means keep fulfilling your call, but do not be silent is the caution because that he knows is the temptation that Satan is hell bent on discouraging you. Why? Because you'll be silent. You will stop speaking. You will stop serving. You will stop acting. You will stop pursuing the Lord. You'll stop your spiritual disciplines. He wants to get you to a point of discouragement where you give up and you throw your hands up and you just say, I'm done. And so God says, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. He doesn't want us to become weary of doing good. He doesn't want you to abandon the call that he's put on your life or, or run away from it all. The comfort of God is calming. It's encouraging. And the comfort of God is future looking. See Paul showing up in the city and God tells him, don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. That means here and into the future. Do not be silent. That means here and into the future because God is forward looking. And I want to tell you when you and I are discouraged, we can't see past here and now. When we're discouraged, we just see the past and we see the present circumstances that look so hard and we can't see forward. But hope awakens when we look at the possibility of what God might do in the future, that there's a way out of the moment and the emotions that you might be facing right now. So do not be afraid. Keep on speaking and do not be silent. In Acts 18 verse 10, it says this, for I am with you, God says to Paul. For I am with you. No one is going to attack you or harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. And it's a beautiful thing that God tells him. He's saying, why should you not be afraid? Why should you not be silent? Why should you keep on speaking? He says, because I will be with you. Remember Jesus's words to his disciples that I will be with you even to the end of the age. Jesus is reaffirming the promise he made to his disciples before he ascended back into heaven. And in the same way, God is saying to you right now, because I will be with you in whatever you're facing right now. Well, the fourth way that God encourages us is victory. <laughs> victory in hardship. And you might want to write that down. See, God never promises to make you and me immune from troubles. Life is always going to give you more than we can handle. People sometimes say, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's not true. God always and life always gives us more than we can handle. But God says, I will be with you. Don't be silent. Don't you go ahead and keep on speaking. Do not fear. God says, I will be with you in that. God promises to bring victory and care in spite of whatever troubles you're facing in life right now. See, the most effective and permanent and meaningful lessons that you and I ever learn from the Lord, they come from times of testing and trouble, don't they? See, those times suddenly have our attention. We're all ears. We're listening to God. We're looking for God. We're, we're open to seeking God because of the pressure and the discouragement and the troubles that you're facing in your life. And God can effectively teach us through those hard times. I've asked Zach to sing a song that he wrote that deals with our perspective on hard times. So the story behind the song, Hard Times Make a Hero, I had a day where I was emotionally up and down, great points, really low points, and I was emotionally worn out. So I decided to burn those emotions out by getting physically worn out. It was good to go for a run to burn off the emotions, but as I started lacing up my shoes to go for a run, I felt my body telling me, 
that a run would be good for my soul, but not for my body. I was going to injure myself at that point. And so I was frustrated. I couldn't work off the emotional stress I was feeling. And so I thought, well, I'm a creative writer. How about I write a song about running away from my problems? So I sat down to write a song about running away from my problems. And in the middle, I realized, what am I doing? When I sit down to write, I write with God and I invite him into it. And so I just talked to God and was like, I'm sorry, let's do this together. And then I sat down and wrote and prayed and listened. And this is what came out. I like it a lot better. This is called Hard Times Make a Hero. One, two, three. No one sees those long, long nights We pray and work till you get it right Where all you feel is a tired fight You're broken and empty Hard times make a hero That's every story we know It's the bottom of the night You're down two strikes You're making it steady It's on the line And all the hard work that you left behind Will let you swing with all your might Putting in work till the job is done Through the ups and downs Steady as the sun You don't complain You choose to grow Hard times make a hero Three sets of clothes, another runny nose And everybody needs your hand to hold How you stay patient, nobody knows You just keep giving You keep giving Cause hard times make a hero That's every story we know It's the bottom of the night You're down two strikes Making it state is on the line And all the hard work that you left behind Will let you swing with all your might Putting in work till the job is done Through the ups and downs You're steady as the sun You don't complain, you choose to grow Cause hard times make a hero Saving homes from fire, saving lives from hurt Showing other people they got getting what Fighting for what's right, fighting for our souls Hard times make a hero Well it's the bottom of the ninth, you're down two strikes Making it stay this on the line And all the hard work that you left behind Will let you swing with all your might Putting in work till the job is done Through the ups and downs we're steady as the sun Don't complain, you choose to grow Cause hard times make a hero Thank you, Zach, so much just encouragement, and maybe that's what you needed to hear today. In the same way as Paul is experiencing comfort from God and victory over hardship, it says this 
in Acts chapter 18, verse 12, it says, while Gallio was proconsul of Acacia, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to them, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he drove them off. Then the crowd there turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul. And Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. You can just imagine that Paul's saying, God told me not to be afraid, that I wouldn't face opposition, that he has many people in the city. And then all of a sudden, he gets dragged into the courts by one person. And just as he's about to defend himself, he didn't have to. See, he was ready to. But God is a better defender of you than you are. See, when God defends you, you don't have to question who it was that defended you. You know it was God defending you. God, in this way, kept his promise to Paul about the season and the time that he would have in that city. Remember, Satan is hell-bent on discouraging you, but God gives heaven-sent encouragement right where you are. The beautiful thing is that Jesus, who went through suffering for us, is our defender. He's our defense before God. Hey, only in him are our sins and our punishment and our guilt and our shame wiped away. And maybe today for you, you've needed encouragement from God, but there's nothing more encouraging from God than to receive the offer of eternal life, the offer to be in relationship with him while you're in this life and relationship with him forever in heaven, to have your sins washed away, to be made new and become a new creation, to become spiritually alive on the inside. And the way that you do that, even right now where you are, is just to pray a prayer like this as you talk to God. If that's you, you pray with me right where you are. He hears you. Just say, Jesus, today, I give you me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, that you were buried, and that you rose to new life because you're God. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sin, to wash me as white as snow. God, would you make me spiritually alive? Give me a new heart, make me a new creation, and help me to be a Christ follower. Because today, Jesus, I give you me. And if you prayed that prayer right now, there's not a better thing that you could have prayed that you're asking God into your heart. You are a new creation. Your sins are gone. You don't have to fear death. There is a party in heaven. Angels are celebrating the right decision you made. Satan is frustrated at the right decision you made. And God is available to encourage you right where you're at in your situation today. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.